Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? <laughs> What's up, nerds? Welcome to another episode of the Multiverse Report. We are recapping. No, wait, we're not recapping anything. We're just talking to a guy. Yeah, this is a episode of TMR Talks. That's right. Welcome to TMR Talks. This time featuring Jay Stevens himself, cartoonist and comic book writer, creator of the comic book series Dwellings, which you may remember I uh, named as my number one comic book of the year in our 2023 wrap-up episode. Um, he's also uh, the creator of the uh, animated show Tuttenstein, Secret Saturdays, and also the Jet Cat animated shorts on Cartoon Network. Um, he has a Kickstarter that's about to launch for a brand new kid-friendly, family-friendly comic called Figgy Furthermore, the Spirit Guide Dog. Uh, that's launching on February 12th, the Kickstarter for that, through Golden Key Comics. And you can sign up to be notified about that. Steve, I thought this was a great conversation. Yeah, I think uh, it was it was awesome to have Jay on the pod and uh, glad he could stop by. And, you know, we got some real insight into uh, his background, what went into dwelling, some of his uh, influences, um, some, <laughs> some tidbits that uh, that really, really shined up, especially if you've seen or read the uh, if you've seen the issues. Just if you looked at them, you don't have to read them. <laughs> no, uh, uh, it's, it was it was a really really fun interview. I feel like we could have talked to him longer. Oh, 100%. If you and I, if you and I didn't have like a time constraint right. on our personal lives, we had to get somewhere. <laughs> um, but like we, he was like ready to hang. I feel like we could have talked to him a lot longer, and hopefully we'll have him back someday. Um, yeah, especially he's a when super uh, nice guy when that Kickstarter goes live or something, we should have him back on to talk about that a little more. Yeah, for sure. Or if one of the other projects that he teased mm, very in true. the interview happens, maybe he'll want to come back on and talk about those. So um, you can check him yeah. out, too, uh, on his socials um, at J. Stevens Comics. Uh, Stevens spelled the right way, S-T-E-P-H-E-N. Uh, <laughs> yep. So, yeah, definitely uh, definitely give Jay a look. And um, Yeah, and he's on Instagram. He's on threads, I know. Um, I think he's on Twitter, but I don't know. I'm, I haven't been on Twitter in a yep, while. Yeah, he's got a YouTube channel uh, as yep. well. Yeah, it's a, it's a great YouTube channel. He's got a lot of uh, uh, cool videos on there as well. So you can check him out anywhere. Um, uh, copies of Dwellings are still on the stands. Uh, he mentioned though, that the though third... Though not at our local uh, Funky Town Comics and Toys. I believe well, they are cause... sold out they're sold out he just he said in the, he says in this interview that the uh third issue of dwellings yep. um has just recently sold out so it's going back to print so there will be more um at your local comic book stores uh relatively soon and um you know like we already said he's got a lot of stuff that's on the way out so um give him a follow um check him out if you like uh what he has to say or i mean we've been raving about dwellings for weeks and since months he came now, out so yeah yeah, so um, yeah, I that's think Jesse Jesse gave it to us or suggested it to us on a whim, and we were like, "Oh, okay, this was good." Yeah, well, I think you had it before me. You yeah, had he told it, me he like, was like, "This this is kind of like hyped or something," and I was like, yeah. "Oh, this is a mic book. This is definitely a mic yeah." Book. I I read three pages of it, and I was like, "Oh, this is the greatest thing ever." <laughs> <laughs> if you're a horror fan, yeah, uh, we do talk a lot about horror influences and um, movies and where all these ideas kind of came yeah, from. And this is not one to watch with your kids. So, put them to bed. Oh, I, yeah. Do people watch this with their kids? I don't, I don't know. know that's the thing. I figure it's I better to it. say that than the alternative. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. True, true, true. Um, but anyway, yeah, we really loved having him on. We were super grateful that he uh, was uh, so generous with his time um, and talking to us. And uh, um, yeah, Jay Stevens. I hope you uh, enjoy the interview as much as we enjoyed it. Um, and I think that's it. I think that's it. We'll be back with a. Uh, weekly episode sometime soon yeah we just realized we can't do sunday so keep an eye on your feeds people yeah you know. we'll figure it out we'll figure it out and let you know um but that's it so uh thanks for watching and thanks for listening to the following interview with jay stevens all right jay stevens welcome to the multiverse report thanks for having me guys this is awesome it is awesome we are very excited to talk to you uh, we were just talking uh before we started rolling um a little bit just about how your 
most recent book, Dwelling, was my favorite book of the last year. Um, I think when I was talking about this interview or posting it on our Instagram, I, I said my favorite horror book of the last year, but I need to rectify that by saying favorite overall comic that I read of 2023. Wow, thank you and, so much. And that's not the first time we mentioned it on this show. We talked about it quite a bit. Um, it really just kind of knocked our socks off when we got it. So we're really thankful for you uh, being here and excited to talk to us. You get me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, you're uh, coming all the way from Ontario, Canada, out of uh, Guelph, is it what it's called? It's Guelph. You pronounced it correctly. Yes. Oh, it's, nice. uh, okay. the, the spelling looks like you might have to sound like a cat with a hairball to pronounce it. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's south of Toronto. It's a it's a beautiful town. I've been here now for a couple of decades. It's a great place to make comics. Oh, nice. We, we cheated because oh, cool. we're surfers, basically. Oh yeah, we're like, we're like <laughs> yeah, South, so it's we're currently <laughs> yeah, experiencing the same weather system. Mm -hmm. That is true. Yeah, cold and snowy. Mm -hmm. um, it's actually a little bit welcome to for some cold and snowy uh, after like a very incredibly green holiday season. <laughs> I don't know yeah. about you, but down here it was yeah, a little yeah, crazy. soggy yeah. and gray, very dwellings esque. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah for sure. <laughs> um, so uh, you said you've been in Guelph for a few decades. Um, a, a couple, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you were born in. You're from Canada originally, correct? Yes, yes. Born in Toronto, um, okay. Toronto, Ontario, and then uh, spent my teen years in Brampton. For those that oh. know, they know. Um, and then settled here, um, straight out of art school. So and oh, wow. and actually came here to make comics, literally. So I met, yeah. met uh, a couple of friends in art school, Nick Crane specifically, um, very talented cartoonist and illustrator and musician um, in the Ontario College of Art in Toronto. And we met there and a guy a couple of grade, a couple of years older than us working on the student newspaper did, did comics for the, uh, the art school paper and was asking um, different students of different disciplines if they wanted to contribute. We did. The response was great. Nick knew a guy that owned a comic store back here in Guelph that wanted to publish us for real, and the rest is history. Came here oh, and wow. co-founded Tragedy Strikes Press in 1990, 91. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I've been doing this a long time. Yeah, for sure. I was going to ask, you said that Guelph, you said specifically, is a great place to make comics. I was going to ask you why you mm -hmm. feel that way. Um, well, the first thing was it used to be uh, a lot cheaper to live here. I'm not sure that's true anymore. Um, but the downtown, downtown Guelph is is gorgeous. I mean, again, speaking of dwellings, which certainly is inspired by this kind of geography. Yeah. It's an older downtown with a couple of rivers and bridges, old buildings, pretty chill, very walkable community, you know, rep cinema, book, used bookstore, um, just good vibes. And uh, back in the day, and a student town. There's a university here. And back in the day, there were plenty of kind of lofty, artsy apartments for rent. Oh, so nice. just, a, just a good place to hunker down and be able to walk around to get everything you need and just focus on uh, on art. Yeah, like low-pressure, slower-paced kind of town. Yeah. And uh, I'm not sure how where you are of uh, Seth's work. Cartoonist Seth, Palookaville. Um, uh a vague familiarity. Not yeah, so he, he, he also relocated here, so he lives here as oh, okay. well. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. You got a whole community going. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so when prior to art school, um, I mean, how you're a cartoonist, you're a comic book writer, creator. When does, like, obviously, like, uh, I, I guess probably the majority of kids get into cartoons early on, but like when when did you start getting into comics or like the creation of those things and what kind of sucked you in uh, to that world and kept you there? It's a great question, and it's it's a little layered. I'll try to be brief, but first of all, um, I was always drawing as a kid and had a family that did not discourage that. So okay. thanks to them. So I was I was always drawing. Um, and then, yeah, definitely big fan of Saturday morning cartoons, animation and, and, uh, and that stuff. Um, I think I saw, um, I, I started to get really interested in obscure stuff young. For some reason I was, I, you know, there was the stuff on the shelves, there was the stuff you saw, 
you know, is a big fan of newspaper comic strips too, you know, big Peanuts fan. Sure. Um, and Calvin and Hobbes, you know, all that stuff was was inspiring, still is. Yeah. So that stuff was freely available. The cartoons you would see on TV were freely available. And the comic, the comic books, um, basically on the rack back in those days uh, in Brampton, were freely available. We didn't have a comic store yet. Um, but I think I saw a few things happen to me that made me start to think backwards. And this is what really turned me into a collector and a hunter. Um, was I think it must have been an episode of The Wonderful World of Walt Disney or something. And he did an episode on the animation that inspired Disney. And so it was uh, Windsor McKay's Gertie the Dinosaur and Fleischer Brothers stuff. Oh, sure. And I'd never seen that. I was a kid and I went, wait, there's, there's other stuff? How do I get this? And around the same time, um, my grandparents who particularly, um, they were British, um, expats that had immigrated post-war and they were natural hoarders and collectors my grandfather collected coins so when i started buying comic books with the money they gave me instead of chips or chocolate bars um they encouraged that as well to be a collector and help me keep them in a special place and keep them in good condition Um, just instinctively before there was any kind of collector's market that any of us knew about sure yeah and uh, so they knew I loved comics and they would pick batches up like piles of them at yard sales and, and flea markets huh. they would go to. And on one of these, they grabbed an old Overstreet price guide from like 1974 or something, hmm. thinking I might like it. Thinking, maybe thinking, you know, I think my grandfather was like, see, they're worth something. Yeah. But going through that book and seeing hundreds of titles I'd never heard of, I mean, think about how inaccessible comics history was at that time pre-internet sure yeah um so seeing all these titles i'd never heard of and they had these little black and white covers across the top of every page of all these ancient uh mostly superhero conflicts i'd never heard of so those two things those mysteries about the past um is kind of what kept me driven for years i spent uh i spent decades trying to track down the background for all this stuff I've, I've, I've had these small pages of yeah well, that's awesome i mean and that's kind of that's kind of how i feel like that's probably kind of how a lot of people dive into comics they read one book that they love and they read it for a while and then all of a sudden a different character shows up and you're like well wait who's that right. where, do the, where do i find them or whatever you know it's yeah. like oh they have a whole other history like oh right. i can There's dive into that too like that i can go and feel for other people yeah it's like uh you know it's like a youtube rabbit hole but you know Definitely. Print. Well, yeah. that was for me. It was Barnes and Noble or whatever the equivalent was. Walden Books, whatever back then. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I went in looking for uh, Star Wars Expanded Universe books back in the early '90s, <laughs> the front of them, and then turned around and there was a rack of books in the comics books. I wonder what these are. Okay. Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> like I remember watching the the '60s Batman show when I was a kid. Um, might have been my first introduction to Batman in general, or like old Super Friends uh, yep. cartoons and stuff. And then I think I was like sick one time. My dad brought me like a Batman comic, and I was like, "Oh, I can read these." And then I was like, "Oh, they're in the grocery store or whatever." Like, "Oh, then that's yeah. all I'm gonna do forever." And the sa- same um, in um, you know, Steve. You Steve grew up a little bit more remote from the general Syracuse that's area, nice but uh, that was right in the middle of the Alabama. Yeah, um, but even in in where I was growing up, like there, the first time there was an actual comic book store, I bl- it blew my mind. I was like, I, uh, what? A whole store? A whole store just for these things that I love? Like I would, we would drive past one, going somewhere else, and I would just yell at my mom. I'm like, Mom, we have to go back. Like I would saw like any <laughs> store that had like a Superman thing in the windows. Like we have to go there. We have to go there. You know. And it wasn't even about buying stuff. It was just looking at, like, all, the, all this stuff exists. Like you're saying, like, what is all this stuff? How just can I... overwhelmed, right? The yeah. first time you see uh, multitudes of back issues, you're just like, I, I, I don't know where to start. Right. Yes. Yeah. Thumb through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine the, the first time, like, thumbing through a long box. It's like, what? There's, what? It's not stopping. There's no, there's more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So did you have, um, did you have, uh, like, a favorite, uh, a book or character that you did gravitate towards? 
Definitely. Yeah. So um, in comic books specifically, I think the, the very first, like I said, I had, you know, my grandparents would take me and the other grandkids to the, the corner store and so you could have one thing. And I remember the first time I picked a comic book, my grandmother said, that's a really smart choice. After they're all done with their treats, you're still going to have that. (laughs) And uh, I think it was um, Marvel 2-in-1. I can't remember the particular issue, but it's with the Scarecrow. Remember Marvel Scarecrow? They changed his name now. He's kind of... He came out of the painting. Yeah. Uh, I have no idea about this character. Very odd book. It It was kind of peak Marvel horror. Sure. They were doing some weird stuff, but I I love the thing. Ben Grimm, I mean, he's made of orange rock. What what uh what seven or eight year old isn't gonna think that's just the coolest thing. <laughs> um so that was probably the first. And then I was I was actually an Iron Man fan. I know that's a that for many, many years that was a really strange thing to say. Yeah. Um yeah. but I was a big Iron Man fan, had a big collection. I still have some Iron Man art, old art on my wall. Oh wow, yeah. Um and uh, so those were kind of my first superhero loves. And then through the thing, got into the Fantastic Four. So I'm, a, I'm an FF Iron Man guy, sure. I guess. Um, and, then, and then the Harvey spooky stuff. So Casper, Hot Stuff, Wendy, um, yeah. Spooky, the tough little ghost. Yeah, that was also my jam. I was into that too. Uh, way longer than most kids were. I was, uh, yeah. When Mike and I were talking the other day, he was like, doing some research on the MCU as you do. He's like, it's, I, I couldn't put my finger on where the art style came from, and then as soon as he said Casper, it was like, oh. I would. I kept describing <laughs> the Dwellings art style as like, hey, like something like you see in like Dexter's Laboratory or like Cartoon Network in like the 90s or something, and then I, I think I, I saw like a different interview of you or you were talking about it, and you said Casper, Harvey Comic Shop, and I was like, oh, Oh, it's, it's, it's like it's yeah. so reminiscent of that. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not, uh, it's definitely, um, that's the heart of it. I yeah. mean, it's not yeah. a slavish copy. There is actually, it's interesting you mentioned Dexter's Lab because I, I was raised on Hanna Barbera cartoons as well. So there's, sure. there's definitely a Hanna Barbera vibe in there as oh, well. Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. it's kind of like a cross, a, a, a crossbreed of those, those, uh, early influences. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like that, just the, I don't want to say bulbous, but like, the bulbous art on the heads and all that, that as soon as the Harvey thing came in, it was like, got it, okay, there's the influence. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I just remember looking at Casper, and I mean, I still appreciate the design. I I mean, I have a a little Casper toy right behind me still. I I can't believe how wonderful that design is. So simple. White. (laughs) There's no... Bells and whistles, and yep. he's just got that encephalitic cuteness, that uh, kawaii thing, like way before, you know, Sanrio uh, was able to capitalize on it. And he's just so cute. I remember as a kid, yeah. just I, I just kept staring at it, going, "Why is it so cute?" <laughs> Even though <laughs> he's clearly a dead kid. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which is the secret. Which is also, I think, um, part of the reason that. Uh, Wellings knocked me out so much when I read it for the first time. And then, again, doing the a bit of research that I was doing for the interview, like Steve mentioned, I can't, it, like the more that I either saw you talk or read um, you talk about Dwellings or seen, or you're in, like, things that you were into, it seemed like Dwellings for you was just like looking at a shelf of things that you love and being like, I'm going to date this, I'm going to date this, and a little bit of Hannah Barbera, a little bit of Casper, a little bit of this kind of horror, a little bit of ghost story, a little bit of... A little bit of uh, 70s demonology. Yes, yeah. Photography, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. Um, yeah, Matthew, seriously, that's that's literally what happened. I mean, it, it was... Uh, I hadn't really done um, any serious ongoing comic work in quite some time. And then it was early pandemic. You know, it's just like, yeah. well, I'm not doing anything. And my old friend, Michelle Rana, who was the guy in art school that published that, my first comic work in art school, and the guy oh, wow. that came to Guelph with me to start Tragedy Strikes way back when, okay. he went on to become an a award-winning book designer. And he was just like, have you seen the, um, the opportunities in publishing that we never had? Like with print on demand and, and yeah. um, crowdfunded you know, um, 
pre-orders. He's like, we could we could do full color. You could do anything. Um, and I really had because I was like, I don't know. Yeah, I guess that's how people do it now. And he goes, no, take a look at this. Do you have any ideas? And so that first issue of Dwellings was an experiment. It was kind of a one-off story. Part of the reason why they're all standalone stories. Sure. Because the first one needed to have a beginning, middle, and an end. And yeah, the Oni Press ones are are, are, are double features. Right. Um, right. The Oni, but um, so we did the ones, and it literally was a mix of my of my childhood um, fascinations and traumas. You know, I I was exposed to horror films very early. Mm-hmm. Uh, my family have always been big fans. I'm a huge fan now, but I remember seeing too much weird stuff. I mean, I think I described in, in maybe one of the print interviews that you read that idea of like, I'm reading hot stuff to little devils. And in the other room, I hear these weird noises. And my family's watching The Exorcist on TV. And that that double tap of demonology, I just, I don't get it. Like, then is yeah. what I'm reading evil or is what's on the TV not evil? Like, I'm so confused. <laughs> That's really funny. And so I tried to pour that kind of energy into into dwellings as a completely self-indulgent um, experiment. And lo and behold, people liked it. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that a lot of times, um, in, a, in a weird way, the more, the more specific you can make something, the more relatable it is in a lot of ways. Um, like, so, like, you know, you're, like, you're not the only one that has these similar feelings or traumas or whatever. So uh, tapping into that a lot, it can really help you affect other people as they're reading it. I certainly felt that way in the, the issue three or the third issue of the Oni Press book, but uh, the sixth issue, uh, sixth single issue. Oh, yeah. So the final, the final story. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. like kids being assholes in the woods and stuff like just doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing like i remember that i remember those kids i remember trying to you know like first thinking it's exciting and then being like well i don't know if i should be here like that kind of stuff i was like really kind of plugged into that one a lot it's and it's and it's it's horrifying to remember those things isn't it remember how amoral we were as children where you're like i did terrible things and i'm just glad i didn't go too far Right. Yes. Yeah. It's like a. Uh, it's like a, a scary. Is there is, is there a scary version of nostalgia? <laughs> or like, is there a word? Yes. For that? Like I don't know. It's yeah. Drama, I guess. Drama. <laughs> Probably what that word is. Well, I I love I love the word nostalgia too. And I mean, this is dwellings is uh, works on a couple of levels. Um, because it kind of looks like an old comic, and is kind of about old comics. Um, yeah. nostalgia is built into the project, and that idea. I mean. You know that the the root of that word, the the like um, Latin, like nos nostalgos. I think it I think it basically translates to return home in pain. Yeah, right. And I mean, as as collectors uh, or people interested in in pop culture who keep hunting for this thing we're never going to get. I mean, isn't that kind of a horror story too? Yeah. You know, I'm not so sure there is a good version of nostalgia to be honest. I agree with you. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, um, but I'm guilty. I'm guilty. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Very nostalgic person. Um, was the idea always to blend the cute drawing or the cute art style with the horrific storytelling? Because I think that feel that really like makes it stand out for me. That's what really what made it really sing for me. I think was that always the intention. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, again, it was a one-off experiment, but yeah. Um, once the feedback started coming in, I'm like, okay, if I was going to do it again, would I do it differently? And kind of stuck with it. Um, yeah. yeah, no, and and again, I'm I'm nowhere near the first person to do this, and a lot of um, my favorite manga is is adorable looking, sure, and yeah. quite quite brutally horrific. Yeah. Um, so there are other um, comic traditions that, that certainly have this more uh, established as a kind of subgenre, um, you know, and but yeah, I, it didn't it didn't look like too many people were doing it. Um, no, I'm in the North American market, and I was like, yeah, for sure. Let's let's see if this is too weird. 
Yeah, no, I think it was it's perfect because it's like the first um it's like the first couple pages it, it's not until that the the character I don't remember the character's name but the the guy kills the other guy with a rock with a rock yeah. like then it's just Fast like holy shit like that like the first like two pages before that you're just like oh yeah this is just a comic with cute characters and you're like oh no this is this is something else this is definitely something else um and uh that is like immediately hooked me like that um with that once i once i realized it once i got it i was like oh this is this is something special for sure so if the first issue was an experiment then that kind of answered my other question because you do create through all six stories you create this kind of like little universe uh of your characters in the town of elwich which i assume is a fictional town it is it's not um, a real place yeah. is it based on any is it based on where you grew up or anything it is, yeah. It's inspired by. I mean, it's very southern Ontario. And for yeah. anyone that's did the that's, uh, shop give it away? Or... What's that? I said, did the Crokinole's uh, shop give it away? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite games. There's of all that time. for sure. That's that's a good catch. Um, but yeah, basically places I've lived in or or known people in have relatives live in. So basically, the kind of towns that I've that I've lived in my my entire life. Yeah. And. Um, specifically downtown Guelph as the template, but um, Guelph is now too big to be a place like that. Sure. Um, sure. But it still holds on to some of those very strange ghost stories. And, and you know, like there, for example, here's a, here's a true story, is that um, just about a block away from me is a street called Baker Street. Um, they're currently, uh, they, they, they dug up an old parking lot like a ground level parking lot that's been there for years, this empty lot to build uh, density, they're going to put the new library there. Now, the reason that had been just a flat parking lot for years is it, it it's behind two churches and it used to be the churchyard. Oh, man. And when they relocated the bodies to the main modern graveyard decades ago, um, I guess some didn't have headstones, so they missed some. And so Yikes. as they started their dig, they had to shut down the site because there were dozens and dozens of human remains. It was like the swimming pool and poltergeist over there. So, and this wow. is like a block away from me. So this is the kind of stuff that makes me go, hmm, interesting. What a weird town. Yeah. Fair enough. Wow. <laughs> Yikes. Um, yeah, because it does seem like um, there's something about the way – not only the stories themselves, but it, something about the way that you tell them. A lot of them are like kind of slow burn uh, build-ups to like a giant ending. But something about the way you write the characters, the way they interact, and the way that they're, you know, like um, uh, Ham, the journalist, shows up in a few different stories. Like it just really seems... It really seems like natural and stuff. Like once, once you decided, once you knew you were going to make more, and mm -hmm. once, um, uh, like once you knew they were all going to take place in the same town, did you would you kind of like map out, like you're like okay, well this person's going to appear in this story, they die in this story, but they're going to show up later. Like was there like a it was just kind of something that happened as it went along, or uh, was that like it a it was a little bit planned, but yeah. mostly organic. Yeah, so it, a little bit of both. So as I was, I mean, so all of these stories started as story ideas. So um, concept character-based first, if that makes sense. So, sure. Yeah. And again, I am, um, I like all horror cinema and, and um, I read a lot of horror as well, but I've always been most attracted to the psychological horror um, or... Um, horror films that build slowly and yeah. may or may not be supernatural, but might be in somebody's head. You know, Duke's a great example of a film that works oh, yeah. both ways, um, just as a quick. So I'm really into art house horror. And so these ideas, um, I would start with the idea. And then as I was fleshing out the script, I was, <laughs> I was introducing too many new characters. And I went, well, I don't need to. I've already got these great characters, and it doesn't matter if I killed them off because maybe this happened uh, six yeah. weeks before. Um, so that's how that started to, to more connect. And same with the locations, because even though I don't have a full map of what Elwich looks like, if I've drawn a street, 
um, in one story, I remember that that street's there. And so later on, if a character is stumbling home, bleeding from a bullet wound, I can walk her past the same location. Yeah, um, sure. And it makes sense to me that she's moving from north of the town to downtown. Yeah. Yeah, it's like enough of connectivity and familiarity that uh, makes it interesting and like sucks you in more, but it's not so, like you said, there's not like a map or anything. It's not like you need to know all these details in order to get it. Like, it's not that kind of thing. It's like you couldn't, you could just pick up issue two and read it. It doesn't matter if you don't recognize the journalist from issue one or the cop or whatever, you know, like it doesn't matter. Exactly. Um, but if you do, it just, it's just this really kind of special, unique feeling. I don't know. I love it. So well, cool. thank you. That was the hope. The, the hope was to make them standalone lone stories, but as a as a collected whole, it would have this. I mean, the the Elwich itself is a is a major character in the story. Yeah, and the sure. and the only character that's in all of them. Yeah, yeah, it's got that kind of vibe. I'm trying to think of um. Uh, there's horror movies where, uh, the town like is a part like Haddonfield or something is like a big part of like the absolutely Halloween or or Gary like Gary Maine. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I love stuff like that. I I love that you could um. I mean, eventually you 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 might exhaust. I mean, I don't I don't want it to be a Sunnydale hellhole kind of thing, but yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> as I, as I said, we've got skeletons up the street. So, I mean, every town this size still harbors a lot of creepy secrets. Yeah, for sure. Um, what's your favorite horror movie? Uh, well, <laughs> that's a very complicated question. I know. Um, <laughs> uh, because it, it changes and um. But generally speaking, um, I usually go Exorcist. Um, I yeah. keep coming back to it, but it's but right up there. I mean, I, and because I like psychological horror, but even though it's technically a quote unquote slasher, Halloween is an, is another yeah. big favorite, um, just because it's 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 just so brilliant. I mean, the tension's so, so good. great in that. So good. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm one of those people that likes The Shining. I know that's a that's a debatable one, but I love it. Um, but yeah, I'd go Exorcist if I had to, if I forced to choose. Yeah, I just rewatched The Exorcist uh, this year. I hadn't seen it in a long time, and definitely still holds up. You think it's? You think you go to The Exorcist because you mentioned you mentioned that you probably saw it when you were too young to see it. Do you think that is part of the reason why it's? There's definitely some this nostalgia involved. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's the yeah. thing too is we could play. What's your favorite um, Western horror? Uh, that probably be ravenous. Or what's your favorite? horror movie the last 10 years like you know that there there are different favorites but yeah the one that makes the, the, my happy place <laughs> it's the exorcist if that makes sense no it does make sense because i have the same my i usually answer if someone asks me that question i usually either say halloween or alien and Ooh, those yeah. are those are two movies that i saw probably when i was too young to see them um but i also both i bought i bought i chose to watch both of them by myself um, unsupervised, <laughs> so I was kind of doing it to myself. Exactly. But those are the two that are still like in my soul in a way that I can't really describe. Just, well, like, sure, and I mean, if you're counting it as a horror, as I do, I think most people do. Is Jaws is also another big oh. one that I that I've watched far too many yeah. times. Jaws is my favorite movie. Yeah, so good. Period. Literally, it, his it, favorite I, movie. yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, speaking of that, I was gonna add, no, gonna... no sharks in Elwich. So I can't yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. do any homage. Sorry. That's <laughs> no, fine. Um, uh, just because I mentioned Alien, this is something I was maybe going to ask you later. You have written, uh, you, you mostly do like creator-owned stuff, but you have uh, dabbled in some like big IP properties. You've written Star Wars and Alien and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. The aliens specifically, I tried to find because I love Alien so much, and I knew you were a horror person. I could not mm -hmm. find a copy of that without spending like over a hundred dollars on like some omnibus that it's in. Can you tell me what your Alien story was about? Sure, it's called Alien Wraith, and uh, I, it's probably it's not because I wrote it that it's hard to find it. I think it's Eduardo Rizzo's first American work. Oh wow! I think it's wow. his first story. Um, and I know at the time he couldn't read the the English script, so we had to translate. And I did thumbnails for him too to make it easier for him to understand what I was what I was saying. Wow. I love that guy's art. Um, and uh, so yeah, the idea is <laughs> basically 
that um, again the psychological horror component of the first film sure that it is um, plug your ears kids that there's this kind of rape horror built into it yeah. with the sure. Giger design of the alien's head too, the thing coming out of it and the yep. impregnation of the, so there's this, there's this rape horror um, psychology built into this terror. Yeah. The whole and, movie I feel like is an allegory for rape. Basically. So, so mine rape is about um, a closed research station that has a, um, has a male trapped inside so these kids break in to fool around and there's a male trapped inside um who's really old um hasn't died and has turned pale in the darkness so it's white it's a white alien and mm. there's no queen so it can't reproduce so it keeps it keeps oh, wow. attacking them and webbing them up but it can't, can't have, do anything. so it's like a dirty old man alien yeah. <laughs> it's gross yeah that sounds great uh that's awesome though it's something i've never thought of in that world before that's really cool um so is this the end of dwellings is there any chance for any more uh stories in this uh universe with, with it, the title? it's not the end of dwellings yes and uh there should be announcement coming out pretty soon but oh, yeah all right. there will be more um i will say though don't get um everybody listening don't get too excited because dwellings takes a while and 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 what sure. i mean by that is the art style is very simple and i love drawing it and that's it's again that's my zone um that art style but the script because i'm trying to because i'm a horror fan and i'm trying to do something a little different yeah um the scripts take time so sure. it, it might it might be a while but there, there are going to be more that's great news and uh i know steve and i will be there uh when there is more for sure. Uh, but speaking of more, you are getting ready to launch um, a new book that is not a horror book uh, called Figgy Furthermore, The Spirit's yep. Guide Dog. Um, what's, uh, tell, us about, uh, tell us about Figgy Furthermore. Well, getting back, again, looping right back to the Hanna-Barbera meets Casper the Friendly Ghost vibe. Mm. Um, so the, the reborn Gold Key Comics and I have been in, in talks for I think a couple of years now, actually, oh, wow. since they first they were first dusting off the trademark and coming back and trying to rebuild this brand that was um, back in the day primarily known for non superhero work. Hmm. Back when there was a healthier mainstream, I'd say we have a healthy mainstream now. I mean, if mainstream even means anything in comics right. anymore. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, Golki was mostly known for their licensed stuff. They did the first Star Trek comics, you know, the Lost in Space stuff. Um, everyone knows they're kind of more superhero adjacent stuff, and that's been parceled out over the years. But they were also a hugely successful publisher of kids' comics. Um, they had the Disney license and the Hanna Barbera license, um, and the Warner Brothers license for decades. And I definitely grew up reading that stuff and have a particular fondness for the early 60s Hanna Barbera comics with the, you know, the, the uh, Adam Ant one shot, Frankenstein Jr. Yeah, um sure. all that stuff is is just some of my favorite comics they're beautiful looking um they're goofy and so gold key approached me because of my art style to see if i would like to do an all new a brand new old school gold key comic so uh something that looked and felt like those old uh 60s comics that i love but that was updated and that was you know a, a newer take and of course I said yes. Nice. So the Kickstarter launches early February. I think it's February sixth, but the page is already up. You can you can jump on there and, and um sign up for the alerts so you get all the details, but wait to see what these guys are doing. Um Gold Key's so fun to work with and we've got all kinds of cool variant guest artists for covers and some really neat um uh stretch goals and, and merch and stuff. So I'm pretty excited about it. It's a nice, it's a nice palate cleanser from the horror. Sure. And, yeah. and the dog is still a ghost. So the basic idea. You still yeah. got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so yeah, the basic premise is that he's a recently deceased family dog, and the young boy he's left behind is such a terrifyingly dangerous brat that he has to stick around <laughs> as a ghost to keep taking care of of keep his boy. Safe. Oh, that's a really great. Uh, that's a great idea. <laughs> I feel like. Um, Steve and I, on this podcast a lot, Steve and I are both 
Sorry, am I, am I saying the same thing that you're saying? I think so. Okay. <laughs> that, like, you can go ahead. For, yeah, since we started, uh, this was a COVID project for us, too. So we were oh, like, that's oh, so crazy. we yeah. need an outlet to do something. And this was our outlet. Um, lo and behold, two plus years, we're still talking to each other every Sunday night. But um, <laughs> we're both dads. And for the, the entirety of this podcast, we've talked about, like, at this point, my son won't put down, like, Teen Titans Go or like graphic novels or whatever just because of the whole dick thing last night but hey torres <laughs> yeah, they, yeah friend of mine yeah there you go. <laughs> great yeah but it, like for all the misconception that like comics are for kids there's not a ton of books out there that are like catered toward that younger demographic probably there's plenty for teens there's plenty that have sure. aged up with childs of the 90s like mike and i that are now catering to us as adults but there's not a whole ton for like that. Like I have the Speed Club, you have the Seven Club, like that demographic, the kids learning to read and getting into stuff, and it's it's like a dearth of like yeah. Any any thoughts on why that is or why they're not creating to hook that next generation? I'm not sure. I, I see. I do see. I'm lucky. Is that my local comic shop here in Guelph is the Dragon. And Jen has always been really good at when you walk in the store, the yeah. first racks you see are low racks for kids, and it has all, lots of kid-friendly material on it. Nice. So I'm spoiled. I'm spoiled around here. Um, but it is interesting to me that most of the uh, con- new comic books marketed to to kids are licensed. Yeah. That's the first thing. Yeah. So again, we're still, you know, you 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 have to count on a, a television property, I think, to make or a toy or a toy to make these things work. Right, right. So that's kind of that's kind of, I mean that's great. It's unfortunate, and of the new stuff made for kids, this is going to sound highly critical, but um, it's just a fact. Most of them have a kind of sameness. Um, I've worked for kids magazines in the past too, and over the last decade, I've seen kids comics go from this kind of frontier land of of wild fun and abandoned to you have to have like an early childhood education degree to to write a kids comic. And these things have gotten kind of unambitious yeah. uh, and and kind of unexciting. Um, Biggie is not that. Biggie is, you know, kind of out there. It's a, it's a yeah. little outrageous. I mean, I'm just working on issue two now, and he's, uh, yeah, where is that? Right there. There's a couple pages already on the wall. You can't see too much. But um, he's... Uh, he gets hyped on his cousin's energy drink, and he's running around on hydro wires. You can't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not allowed to write that in a comic. Yeah. But there's nothing adult in it. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm hoping I you know, basically my my hero for kids comics these days is Dave Pilkey, like the Captain oh, Underpants yeah. for the, like that's the stuff. That's what this yeah. stuff should be like. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. My son loves all the Dogman stuff, and we're yeah. reading the Cat Kid Comic Club stuff now. He got that for Christmas, and um. Yeah. Dave Pilkey's crushing it. We're also going through old Calvin and Hobbes stuff. Um, yeah. uh, also That's... loving that, and you know, and we do get like you know DC does specific like little kid Superman graphic novels and stuff like that. But um, yeah, like you're saying, I'd like to see more, and like there there is a sameness uh to some stuff, but 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 I think what you said about uh. Biggie is accurate, and just, I'm like imagining like if you went into like Disney and you were like, "I got an idea for a comic. It's about a dead dog." Right. <laughs> They'd be like, "What are you crazy? Who, no. Who's the, who's the protagonist? <laughs> well, this kid lost his dog, and it's yeah. the dog's <laughs> yeah. ghost. What? So yeah, first scene. How's yeah. he going through his dad's toolbox and sawing through the floor and hammering things into the wall? Kids can't use hammers. Yeah. No, 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 no. Like, a, yeah, no, no. Biggie, <laughs> Biggie can only exist as this zany comic book. So, yeah, um, yeah. I hope people check it out because I'm, I'm sure having a lot of fun. It's a nice palate cleanser between bouts of dwellings. I, I think, I think I needed a, a little break from the horror. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Um, is uh, besides um, or sorry, how many issues of Three Furthermore uh, can we expect? Is there gonna be like a an arc or is it is it a single the, issue book or is it a collection? No, the first the first uh series is six six issues. Oh great. Um and uh Goldkey's plan is to kind of launch the campaign for all six all kind of at once. Uh but again, stay po- uh keep 
keep yourselves posted. Get on to the Gold Key um, Instagram or, or their website to, and, and get to the Kickstarter because there's going to be a ton of announcements. And once that starts, it's going to be fast and furious. Um, nice. Very fun. And then um, it is, again, almost like we were saying about dwellings. They're all standalone and, and like those vintage um, uh, Hanna-Barbera Gold Key comics, there are short stories in the minute. So there's two figgy oh, stories. And then there's backup stories too. So I have a four pager in every issue called Wax and Wayne, the Outer Stripes. And there are these two like uh, outer space pixies oh, from right. Jupiter's moons who have come to Earth in medieval times to um, capture a, 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 an earthling baby for their zoo. So there's that story. Uh, <laughs> it's ongoing. Ridiculous. <laughs> And then there's a backup feature called Kitchen the Witchcrafts about a little girl who's staying at her grandmother's who's, who is a witch and has a basket of magic, and she makes crafts out of them that then come alive and cause havoc at the cottage, and, and how to make the craft is the backstory. So all kinds of old school fun. So I just feel like didn't... all of your ideas are so simple, but I never would have thought of them in a million years, but they're like they're so perfectly simple. Like like a Hanna Barbera cartoon, like you're saying, like it's just like, yep, great concept. That's it. Like you can describe it in one sentence. That's it, and it's great. Um, for some reason, the the sidetrack there made me think about like the other bits and pieces. If anyone is listening to this and hasn't read Dwellings, oh yeah, the the book itself is great. The A plus plus is the little ads interjected in between and the back pages and everything. Yeah that you think are like, you know, in a normal Marvel or DC book, you're looking through, there's advertisements for all these other books, there's advertisements yep. for whatever. In a classic book, there'd be like advertisements to go mail order this thing, like go get your uh, Paul Revere Halloween, Halloween Rocco, masks whatever, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Halloween masks. Or, and <laughs> Jay has interjected all these little extra, extra tidbits that are just absolutely impeccable. Perfect. I, I described it to someone like as saying it besides like it says Oni Press on the cover, but other than that, it's like this 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 is a book that exists in an alternate reality right. other than your own. That you just, right. If it wasn't for that little right. stamp, everything yeah. else in there is just completely created. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. The the ads are actually the most fun to make. Bet, and yeah. and again with the with the original Black Eye um, books run, so the original version, the single issue dwellings. That was part of that idea for the first one, and then we kept it up. Was that what if you were at an antique mar mall or an antique market, and you were and you, there was one stall with with uh, long boxes of old comics, and you went through, and you found this old Harvey comic that you'd never seen before. You're like, oh, this is good. You got, and then you opened it up, and it was adult horror. Horrifying, yeah. Right. So we designed it to look and feel aged and look like a, a, a yeah. flea market find. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, like, that's the yeah, back of the Oni and then, and then when um, Oni delightfully um, asked if we if they could uh, um, partner with me again, it's a nice return. The last um, direct market comic book I did was was Jet Cat Clubhouse with Oni oh, yeah. back in the day. So this is kind of a nostalgic return home too with Oni. Um, but when they were like, "Yeah, we'd love to introduce it to the to the direct market to a wider audience." And they pitched the idea originally of doing a two-in-one, and I went, how great is that? Because Harvey used to do these jumbo, double-sized, giant-sized yeah. issues. And when we started talking about the format, and they suggested the prestige format, I said, well, yeah, that works perfectly, because it's almost as if you guys found these old comics and are now doing a reprint right. edition. Yep. You yeah. know, So the whole thing has just worked at every level. That's yeah, awesome. it is perfect. It is perfect. Um, uh, I think we're getting close to our uh, time limit here, but um, outside of Figgy, furthermore, do you have, and, and eventually another round of dwellings, do you have anything, other projects on the horizon, or any con appearances, or anything that uh, you want to hype up or plug? Uh, the only appearance I know for sure that I have, but there might be some more announcements later, is um, TCAF, the Toronto Comic Fair Special. I'll be there okay. this year. Um, as for other projects, I do have something in the works uh, a, a four-issue scripted series with Dynamite, actually. Oh. There's a licensed pro uh, project, but there's some issue with the, the license. We'll see. But anyway, that's coming. Oh, okay. 
And I will just say to the listeners here, you know, it's mid-January, um, keep your eyes and ears on Oni Press next month because there's some, in addition to Dwelling, so that's some oh. big announcements. Wow, okay, very good to know. Um, just mentioning licensed properties, just one more uh, question for you. Is there a character uh, from any licensed property that you haven't, that you love or love, that you haven't written that you'd love to? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I spent I mean, many, many years thinking about stuff like that, but yeah. no, I've, I've, I've almost done everything. I, yeah, I, I'd still, okay. I'm just, a, I'm a huge, um, 60s era Doom Patrol fan. And if I could, if I could write a Doom Patrol comic and especially with how surreal and bizarre that book has gotten over the years, yeah. um, if somebody offered me that, that'd be very hard to turn down. Dude. I did. I would. I don't know that I would have thought of that. But you saying that makes me want a Jay Stevens Doom Patrol book hard, like more than anything. You would be a perfect writer for that book. A perfect. Writer. Maybe one day. I'll even take it in the the Harvey Comics style. That would be great too. Oh sure, that'd be that'd be, that'd be weird. Oh, that'd be so weird. That'd be great. Right up that alley. Um. All right. Well, Jay, incredible talking to you. Um. Uh, wonderful to meet you again we're really big fans if you couldn't tell by all the compliments we threw at you during this uh, <laughs> thank you so much thanks for having me on and um, oh yeah and i should have mentioned too that the, the hardcover dwellings collection is coming out in april so it's was, not too oh, far away i was gonna ask perfect oh so there will be a full collected edition of all sets. yeah it's 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 just been announced and i think it's already up on amazon even for pre-order like it's oh it's great. i can't great. believe it's happening wow that's wonderful that's really great news. we will make sure to put the link to the kickstarter notification in the show notes for this podcast uh, so people can check it out um i'm already signed up to notify it i'm definitely going to be uh, a subscriber a day one um backer of that uh we'll be creating more so um again jay thank you so much for being on the show and we'd love to have you back sometime awesome my pleasure yeah um yeah invite me back i'll be here all right sounds good sounds, like sounds good we'll talk to you soon <laughs> all right